Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Remember again, I said to you, I was hesitant to minister on these verses. Uh, I was thinking maybe I should keep them for Bible college, you know, uh, because of the sort of content they have. But as I was praying over them, God, you know, every word is for us today. You know, and I think sometimes we don't see the relevance of what's being said. And, uh, you know, sometimes the theologians can get very theological. And, you know, as I was reading them, uh, I began to pray and and God began to show me uh, what was behind this. And, you know, whenever the Bible addresses something, it always addresses it on so many different levels. You know, and it's not right for us just to take it on one level and dismiss all the rest. So if you have a pet doctrine... Regard, I'm not talking to anybody here, but on there, okay? Uh, regarding these verses, uh, put the pet outside, all right? We need, to, we need to look at these for what the Apostle James is trying to get across to us. I honestly believe there is so much more in what is written in the Word of God than we could ever imagine. I, I was uh, relating a story to my daughter, I think, or was it my wife? Well, the two of them were there, I think. And um, it was to do with... You know, I was, I was talking about this um, English teacher that I had. Loved him. He was a, he was a um, one of these fill-in ones. What do you call him? <laughs> a substitute, yeah, because our, our uh, English teacher sort of primary one went off sick or something. And um, he was a Sri Lankan guy. No, no bias. He just happened to be, okay? And uh, he, he was, I, I mean, I used to struggle with English, and I used to have certain thoughts about certain things. And this man for the first time in my life, confirmed so many things I was, you know, I thought. And one of the things that he said was, you know, he, he, we were uh, studying a poem. And, uh, you know, they were, they were talking about all these intricacies of, oh, the writer meant this and meant that. And I'm looking and thinking, oh, I don't know about all this, man. And anyway, so <laughs> I, 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 I spoke to him. He's, he was looking at me. And he said, you didn't say much. I said, I don't think that means all that stuff. I think people are making stuff up, you know. And he said, you know, it's funny you say that. He said, I actually know the guy that wrote this. And he said, I took to him all the things that we were saying that it meant and showed it to him. And he said, I didn't mean any of that stuff. (laughs) He said, I just wrote it because it sounded right. Isn't that interesting? You know how we esteem so highly natural knowledge and people in this earth and make so much other things and then we dismiss the Bible. God's word that comes from an intelligence that goes far beyond what we can you know, comprehend. Oh, hallelujah. So, that's how I look at the word of God. <laughs> okay? I, I think it is just limitless. And uh, we are looking at James chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 now. And it's very interesting. Remember again that James is writing to two different groups of people. We really need to understand this. The first group that he's writing to are the people. When you begin to read the the gospel, it talks about those that have been, uh, how can I put this? I'm thinking of the word that in the original text, uh, and I'm trying to relate it to English, it means scattered that there are all the believers that have been scattered because of persecution, all right? And so he's writing to all those brothers and sisters who had to leave 
their home and go and live as foreigners, you know, in other lands because of the persecution that was taking place. If you're a Christian, then you were persecuted. You were looked down on. It was a cult, okay, at that point in time. And so he is writing to them, you know, to encourage them. But at the same time, you know, and this is how he, you know, the Word of God applies to things. He is also talking to his congregation. He is also talking to those in his congregation that, you know, the rich who look down on the poor and the poor who look down on themselves, <laughs> okay? Which, you know, you tend to do things like this. And so he is addressing two different audiences all at once. And because of that, there is a lot of, uh, I, I guess, um, different levels of revelation and insight to be gained from these verses. So we're going to deal with all of them. I'm trying to deal with all of them the best that I can. And also pull out something that will, that will minister to you. That will help you. That applies to us today. Okay? But I want to once again remind you that James is, is using paradoxes. Remember? What's a paradox? It's a truth standing on its head yelling. Okay? And, and screaming and, and how, uh, shouting for attention. And so he is using this to get our attention. When he says in James chapter 1, verse 9, and then the beginning of verse 10, he says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich, and can I add the word glory, in his humiliation. You know, it just, it's like, say what? <laughs> okay? That's what a, a, a black person would say to James. Say what? What did what? <laughs> the man say? I don't know what he said. I think he's, he's double talking again. <laughs> but he's trying to get our attention on something, but also convey a very deep truth. And I want to share that with you today. Um, I don't know if I'll get to the second part, all right, with regard to the, um, the rich person, but let's, let's look at what he is talking about in the first part, in James 1.9, when he says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. One of the things that needs to happen, and I spoke to you about this last week, and we'll pick up from this point, is that the poor man's self-image has to change. The way he views himself has to change. You know, one of the biggest problems that poor people have is they have a poverty mentality. Because they, 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 were, they might have been born into a poor situation, they sort of come in and that's all they can see. They saw their parents, you know, receive handouts, and so they're looking for handouts. You know, they don't ever see themselves beyond that place. But something, something happens when you come into the kingdom of God. You become a child of God. Listen, and so things need to change in the way you see yourself. So no longer are your parents those that are down here that are struggling, all right, that had to ask for people for help. Now you have a parent that is the richest dude in the universe. And he is not stingy. So the big problem is, where's, you know, why aren't we walking in it? Because whatever we decide we want our life to be like is the way our life is going to be. Listen, 
We need to really. So what needs to happen? What is James saying here? He's saying, let the lowly brother, the person in, a, in, you know, in, in, in difficult circumstances or the underprivileged, whatever, okay? He's saying they need to glory. They need to change the way they're thinking. And he says, in his exaltation, in his high position, in what he is now, not where he is currently in the natural, but in the spirit. All right. I'll give you verses for all this. Remember, we looked at 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might what? Stay poor? (laughs) See, now this is the problem, isn't it? We want to stay poor. Oh, yes, brother, he was poor. I want to identify him with him and be poor too. Hey, 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 listen. He was rich. Now listen to me. He became poor. There was an exchange. You know, you understand the cross was a great exchange. He exchanged his righteousness for our filthy rags. (laughs) Okay, our righteousness, all right? Okay, and he exchanged his healing for our sickness. I mean, he gave us everything. By his stripes, we are healed. Not by ours. Because, he, because of his poverty, we can now become rich if we want. Amen. Amen. Now that goes for peace and joy and all the other wonderful yeah. things. All right? And people say, well, you all preach a prosperity doctrine. Well, that's because we don't have... Most of the people in the body of Christ have a problem in this area. That's, that, you know. And can I just... I, and I want to minister to that right now. Because that's what the verses are talking about. All right? So hang on to your hat. All right, so... Let's move forward. I said here, the last thing that I said to you was that he says, he, uh, talking about the poor person, he sees himself or should see himself as a child of the king, a son or daughter of God, as a member of God's royal family. The brother ought to take pride in his new spiritual family tree. See, that's what we're talking about. They need to change the way they see themselves. And if they change their... Um, let me just share this with you very quickly. One of the things that I needed to do when I first became a Christian, okay, I, I, I didn't do so well at school. In fact, I got the wooden spoon. You know, not, not the wooden spoon this way, but the wooden spoon that way. Okay, when you come last, they give you that. So the person that becomes first, I know today, they would never do stuff like that. All right. Um, uh, but, you know, in, in the, in, back in the day, they would give the person that came first a prize and the person that came last Oh, yeah, I was honored in that way. So I wasn't very intelligent, okay? I was like, you know, squirrel, and we're gone. You know, honestly, I I just have that, I can't focus on anything. I would have enormous problems in focusing on anything. And (laughs) I still remember to this day, the way Dad got me to to learn my uh, times tables, like we call them, that's what we call them, okay? And and so I would be yelling at the top of my voice, because that's the only way I could stay focused, and, and he would be outside washing his car. And if he didn't hear me, he'd go, what happened? <laughs> so I, you know, I was like, nine times one is nine. Nine times two is 18. Nine. You know, I mean, I've been yelling at the top of my voice. We had to learn it up to the 12 times table. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Today they just got a 10, you know, something like that. Anyway, I don't know why, because 10 is just so. Anyway, but, you know, <laughs> so th- that's how I had to learn. I mean, I just had enormous problems. And my teachers used to always tell Dad, he goes, you know, if this kid applied himself, he'd get somewhere. 
but he's just all over the place, <laughs> you know. And so anyway, when I came to the Lord, I said, God, I got a problem. He said, yeah, we know. <laughs> the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you know what I mean? He goes, we know. And uh, anyway, I said, what do I do about this? He said, you have the mind of Christ. And he said, you need to disengage from what you think you know, uh, your background is and change it, or your heritage is and change it to this. You have a new heritage now. You have a different dad. Sorry, dad. You know, and, I, and he said, I don't have a failing memory, and I don't look at squirrels every two seconds. He said, I can, I can focus. And he said, you need to change the way you think about where you come from. Listen, listen, this, I'm, I'm giving you a huge truth here. And so instead of me looking at all the problems that my family and my mom and dad had, and because of that, I am this way, I now started to look at God. And I thought, that's my dad. Those are my genes. And that's, that mind is in me. Colossians says that Jesus didn't consider it robbery to be called equal with God. All right, so if you have the mind of Christ, you've got, remember Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. Okay, all those things. All right, so I began to realize, I thought, I've got God's mind in here. I need to activate the thing. And the only way that I could activate it is to literally cut off all the excuses of, oh, no, I can't do this and I can't do it, and change it to I can. Do all things through Christ who strengthens me which includes my intelligence. And so I had to break away from that. And every time I ran into something, instead of, you know, this big mist coming over me and, you know, my eyes rolling into the back of my head and I go, I can't do this, I can't do this. It was like, I can do this. I will do this. And I will get through this. And I tell you, something happens. Now, not because of positive talking, but because something is already there that's saying, turn the switch on. I, I exist, but you're not using me. That's right. Do you, are you all with me? See, because I, th this isn't for everybody. These are for those that already have it that don't know. Amen. That need to switch it on. And so I switched it on. <laughs> you know? And I said, God, I, have a, I, I started confessing stuff. And I said, I have a memory. I remember everything. At the time, I couldn't remember to, oh, no, what I was saying. You know? No, I, that's why I wrote things down on a piece of paper. Okay? When you start out, you might need to do that, okay? Because you can't remember what you're trying to remember. But anyway, I, I would just, just speak it over myself over and over again, and I changed my self-image. So no longer would I look at something and freak out. I'd look at something and go, okay, God, you know the answer. What is it? See? Show me how to do it. You know the funny thing is, once you learn how to do something, then you know how to do it. Might take God to get you going, but after that, you know. And then you can help people with that. You know, I was helping people with homework and everything after that. And, you know, and I, I got to the place where I came, went from being last to literally becoming first in the class. Literally, my teacher was so mad. 
to this day I remember. He said, you're one of those people that just slack off all year. Then when you need the mark, you just suddenly turn it all on and, and just come first. He was also mad with me because I beat him at squash. Because <laughs> he was also my PE teacher. <laughs> so, oh, that's a guy, piece of work, man. He wouldn't tell me my mark because I, he, I, had, to get, I had to come first in science to do physics and chemistry because I wanted to do that. And the class I was in, the only person, that had one person that could do those, but only the one that came first. So I had to get everything right, come first, in order for me to be able to do those things. He wouldn't tell me my mark. The whole class was jumping on him, telling him, you know, demanding that he tell me my mark because I helped him all. You know, I wasn't one of those kids that was doing my exam and went, yeah, yeah, don't look at my answers. I'd kind of like, yeah, that's what I did. Okay, all right. I said, don't copy everything, okay? Let somebody, okay. Anyways, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I help people. You know, when you come from a place, when you're coming last, you know how humiliating that is. You don't want that for anybody. Amen? And so, I, you know, I, I would do that. But can I, the point I'm making is this. If I didn't decide to change the way I thought about myself, I would have never got to the place where I could be a help to others. When you're failing, you can't help anybody. Do you hear me? But when you change, when you've got it, then you've got it to give. I am transitioning. I need you to see something. God doesn't want the poor person to remain poor. He needs them to begin to see their heavenly heritage and needs them to begin to change their mind about how they think about things. And instead of becoming tight-fisted or staying tight-fisted and hanging on to every little bit because that's all I have. He's saying, get involved in my economy. When you give into my economy in faith, then you'll become rich. You'll receive 30, 60, 100 fold. But only if you do it in this way. Are you all with me? Let's, let's continue. I want to give any scriptures, man. I'll give you stuff. All right. So, <laughs> this relates, let's begin in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I thought I covered this verse last week, so I did a, a midweek on it. <coughs> Oops. So, <laughs> those of you that, that watch the midweek, uh, you're going to hear it twice. You know you can hear it more than once, amen? First Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Oh, yeah, brother, that is talking to the Jews. Wait, just hold your horse. Okay, listen. Listen. If you are Christ, if you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. Okay, so whatever promise to Abraham, see, because the Jews always boasted that we are children of Abraham. You know why they boasted about Abraham? Because that's where all the promises were. Okay, and so they would say, well, we're children of Abraham. We have all those promises, blah, blah, blah. Listen, as Christians, you have the same promise. Because the Apostle Paul talks about those who are of the same faith as Abraham are his real children. Amen. And so anybody that has faith, anybody that belongs to Jesus Christ, is a child of Abraham as much as it's a child of God. And the reason that it's important to understand that is because all the promises in the Old Testament belong to you. Yeah. 
All right, so you need to receive this as your blessing, okay? You are a chosen generation. You are a chosen generation. See, the moment that you chose God, God chose you. Listen, this, you know, he can't choose you if you don't choose him first. But because, because you've chosen him, he chooses you. It's an interesting, funny kind of a thing, okay? Because, he, he, because it, you know, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he planned beforehand. In case you came in, he's got a plan. Are you all with me? It, the, the, the planning beforehand wasn't that he knew you were going to get saved. The planning before he, beforehand was so when, when you get saved, and if you got saved, there was a plan for you. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Are you all with me? Everybody get that one wrong, you know? And they say, see, th- there's no choice because it says that blah, blah, blah. No, no, you got the wrong thing, man. Okay, so when you chose God, you became a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I really love that. This is how the poor person thinks about themselves. They are royalty and they are priests, king and priests. Amen? And he said, a holy nation, a holy nation. Do you know that means a, a nation that is pleasing to God? You are, you are meant to be a person that is pleasing to God, a holy individual that, you know, how can I say this? That displays the righteousness of God to people. That people look at you and they see good things. They don't look at you and go, oh, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one of those. Are you kidding me? You know, okay, I was like that. I saw a lot of Christians that, that weren't good advertising. I don't think that's a Christian. I don't want anything to do with people like that. And there are a lot of them around. Can I <laughs> I'll just say that? All right. He's, it says his own special people. Notice his own special people. You are special to God, all right? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In the case of the poor, the darkness that they have been called out of is not only the poor situation they're in, but also a poverty mentality as well. That's what God has called all the poor people out of. That darkness into the light of what? The marvelous light that they have been called into is a mentality of prosperity and generosity. Got you, didn't I? Oh, it's going to be a prosperity gospel. No, it's a generosity gospel. You stingy thing, you. You just want enough for yourself, don't you? Anyway, back to this. (laughs) No, you know, that's how people are. They're just going, well, you know, we need to be humble. You know, my four and no more. Well, aren't you a sweetheart? <laughs> that means, that means when people come up to you and they need help, you push them away because you don't have enough. Amen? How is that good? I think that's rude. I don't know. That's me. So, (laughs) what is this marvelous light? A mentality of prosperity and generosity. One where the once poor, did you hear the words once poor, okay? Once poor come to the place where they begin to prosper and actually take care of the underprivileged around them. I told you, when you get to the place where you've got it, then you you can share and you can be a blessing. After all, God promises in his word, Proverbs 28, 20. That a faithful man or woman will abound with blessings. 
All right, that's the first part of the proverb. You don't need the second half right now because I just want to focus on this first part. It says a faithful man or woman will abound with blessings. And then what does that blessing do? What, what is the point of the blessing? Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22 tells us the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. If you abound in blessing, then what will you abound in? Say the word. Okay, don't choke. Riches. Amen. And it says, and he adds no sorrow with it. Isn't that wonderful? So if you abound in blessings, then you are going to abound in riches, and it will come without any sorrow. Hallelujah. You won't be one of those rich people that has a pain in the side, you know, <laughs> in the neck and anywhere else, okay? You'll be one of those privileged people that have finances and have peace. Hallelujah. I've given you the verses. You can, <laughs> you can claim this for yourself now. Because everybody thinks, oh, the rich man, you know, he came and he walked away sorrowfully. That's, I told you, it's not because he had riches. It's because riches had him. There's a difference. Amen? All right. But I said here again, none of this will happen if the poor don't first see themselves as children of the king and take pride in the heavenly heritage that promises so much. Simon J. Kissimaki writes this. He says, proudly, he points to his heavenly father and to his heavenly brother, Jesus Christ. See, this is how you change your image. All right? This is how you change your thinking. That's what I'm calling this. All right? And so he says, proudly, he points to his heavenly father and his brother, Jesus, his heavenly brother, Jesus Christ. The Christian has royal blood in his veins. James says, listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him. That's in James 2.5. Right? We'll get to that when we get to it. No wonder the Christian ought to take pride in his or her high position. He or she is an heir of God's kingdom. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. This truth is best brought out where the Apostle Paul writing in Romans chapter 8 says in verses 16 and 17. Please remember that this is for everyone. Please remember that this is not for all the normal people except the poor. Are, are you all with me? You really need to get this because a lot of times we miss this. We miss the fact that this is written to everyone. And you don't get a right to say, well, I'm poor, so I'm not going to look at any of them rich verses. I need to find one of them verses that says, oh, somebody should be feeding me. People do stuff like this. They're the same people that they harass you. <laughs> and, 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 and then when you get mad, they go, aren't you a Christian? Aren't you supposed to be loving towards me? As one of my favorite preachers said, if you act like a brother, I'll, teach you, I'll, I'll treat you like a brother. You act like the world and I'll treat you that way too. <laughs> okay, okay, love everybody, all right? Okay, <laughs> some days, you know, you know. People, oh, uh, people think that they have a right to do whatever they want to do and you have to follow the gospel. They don't. You know why Jesus called people like that? Hypocrites. Because all the religious leaders of his time were exactly that. Wow. All right, so Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we 
all the poor people, okay, included, that we are the children of God. Verse 17, and if children, then all of those people that think they're poor, they're, they're all heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with them, then we may also be glorified together. Glorified together. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. You're getting this? Hallelujah. I mean, that's the kind of heritage we've come into. That's what the blessing of the Lord is. Amen. And if people... I, I, the New Living Translation, let me just read this before I go on. In, in verse 17, it says, And since we are his children, we will share his treasures. For everything God gives to his son, Christ is ours too. Amen. Really love that. We will share in his treasures. Okay, basic question. Not a trick question. All right. Y'all think God is rich. So why does he have a problem with people being rich? Why does the body of Christ think that? If he walks on, on <laughs> his streets are transparent gold. Not just gold, transparent gold. I mean, if one of those little things chipped off and fell in your backyard, you're done, you're good for life. I mean, a little pavement. So, if, <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to change your thinking. If God, who created all things, who said all things belong to us, walks, walks on transparent gold. I mean, that's his concrete, okay? Is he going to get upset because your bank account is looking a little bit healthy there? What kind of a twisted, messed up, <laughs> you know, gospel is that? That's religion. See, I think it frustrates God who has so much and wants to give so much. It frustrates him that religion down here has closed off the minds and the faith of all the believers. So that they are not even open to receive from him what he has for us. He has told us that the wealth of the sinner, all that money, belongs to you. It's been laid up for you. They can, they can make it, but you'll get it. But do you want it? Or have, has something been preached out of you that you go, oh, no, no, no. You know, I, I don't want to become a rich person and it ruined me. Riches only ruin the fool. So, you know, if you're saying that, Hmm. Not saying anymore. All right. In other words, to the poor believer, tempted to feel insignificant and powerless, because the world judges a person on the basis of money and status, James says, take pride in your exalted status in the spiritual realm, as one seated in, in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus himself. That's how you need to see yourself seated together with him, with God, in heavenly places, in Christ. Are you all with me? Okay, if we don't see ourselves that way, then we continue to see ourselves down here in our poverty, in, in this loneliness. And can again, once again, family, we'll be in a place where we can't help anybody. You know, we're not here. And can I just say this? The church... 
People have this mentality about the church. Let me just kill a sacred cow now. Are you listening, Pastor Verity? Here we go. She loves, she loves when I kill off sacred cows. Listen, the church was meant to be a place where people could come into whatever their um, social status or financial status or, okay, whatever, okay, economic status, whatever, come in there and be all equal. There was no difference. All right? There was no seating the rich and the powerful in the front and all the poor people in the back. It's a place where, you know, the, the, the CEO of a multi-million organization is sitting right next to, you know, somebody who works in garbage or something, you know, okay? Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. Who cares? I mean, if you, if you are anointed to do that, hallelujah, anoint the floors as you clean them so that somebody walking on it gets all convicted and receives Jesus as Lord. Who's to say what's important? Only you can say it's not important. Okay? And so, you see, again, because of limited mentality. Oh, if I was a CEO, then I could, hey, 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 hey. You get to polish that, clean the floor where everybody walks on. They don't even get, to, they don't even get that contact up there in their little ivory towers. You get that down here. Amen. You can be praying in the spirit. Man, I mean, just cause all kinds of problems to the devil. Amen. Uh, where was I? Okay, so <laughs> let me get back to this. <laughs> okay, so the whole point was the church was to be a place where everybody comes in, everybody's seen as equal, but they don't stay in, if they're in a difficult position, for the rich person that has worries, they find peace. For the poor person that doesn't have money, they find their riches. Whatever it is, they start to learn, they start to grow, and the church becomes not a place where everybody comes so that they can be fed and looked after. But a place where they can come and be fed, looked after, and become a person that feeds somebody else. Are you all with me? So that the church then becomes the place where God can now start to bless everybody in the city, in the nation, because of that place. They become the welfare because they learn how to pull things out of the spirit realm, bring them into this natural realm, and start feeding people. Because, I, can I just tell you this? Don't leave it to the world. Not all the money you give goes where it should. I'm telling you, man. God intended for the church to be heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. So that people could come in and they, it would be like, this is what it's going to be like. And what can I do to help? Thank you for helping me, but now I need to get on my feet and help somebody else. Are you all with me? All right. Now that we've barbecued that one. Uh, <laughs> how much time do I have left? Oh, I ran out of time. Oh, it's a shame. Okay, um, <laughs> we'll come back. I, I really don't want to push this. Uh, you know, I've given you so much already. All right, when we come back, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, we're going to look at our exalted position in Christ. And then we will move on to James chapter 1 verse 10. And we'll look at the other side of this coin. 
you will be blessed. Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, insight, and revelation that we are receiving. And we just thank you, Father, that we do make the choice to change our thinking. We put aside all that religious thinking and all the things that the world and religion has tried to invade our minds with that has been against your word, God. We put all that aside and we choose to change our thinking. Hallelujah. And I thank you that you help each and every one of us do so. And I thank you, Father, that it is your word, your word, that we take as truth. Not the circumstances, but what you say. Hallelujah. And we thank you that as we apply your word, Father, things change. Hallelujah. I thank you that each and every person that is in the sound of my voice wants to be a blessing. And I thank you, Lord, that as they learn and as they grow, that they will become your hands and your feet in this earth. Regardless of where they started out, that's where they will end up. In Jesus' name, amen.